Welcome to Homeschool Musings. This is Mina, your host, where we dive into all things homeschool, curriculum, philosophy, poetry, daily reflections, and so much more. Thank you for joining us. Hello, and welcome to the Homeschool Musings podcast. Today, we have Chris Allen with us, and he is the creator of homeschooltv.academy. He's an American homeschool dad who lives currently in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and homeschools out of a treehouse. He has three kids, and he likes to follow a minimalist approach to living. So Chris, what else would you like to introduce about yourself to us today? And tell us a little bit about, you know, what um, spurred this passion for homeschool in your life? I guess I've always been interested in education. So um, after completing a master's degree in education, I moved to Thailand back in 1991. Wow. And I was a classroom teacher uh, probably for about 10 years, uh, both in the States and in Thailand. And then I got involved in teacher training as well as working for an international educational publisher. And I did that until about uh, 2013. And after that point, I went freelance as a textbook writer. And I also started to homeschool my kids. Um, And in the last couple years, because of the teacher training, I've been asked to help out homeschool parents based in Southeast Asia, mostly expats. So I thought it would be a good idea to start up a website sorry, YouTube channel and a blog to um, give some of my ideas and set up some sort of coaching service. Great. So you say, um, were your children doing the education system in Thailand then originally? Yeah. Okay. And what are the major differences kind of with the education system there comparative to the states, would you say? Okay. The major differences are... There's a uh, let's see. Well, there's a big emphasis on rote memorization here, mm-hmm. um, and the classrooms are huge. Fifty students wow. in a class. I, the, to put it uh, very bluntly, the education system here is not that great. Yeah. Um, so I put my kids into an international school that had small classes of ten kids only, and mm-hmm. the medium of instruction was in English. Um, but the problem was the school ha- had a very good system, and soon they doubled their fees. <laughs> so the fees were already taking up about 20%, 30% of my income with my wife, so <laughs> we couldn't yeah. afford it. Um, so we put them in another school, and essentially the same thing had happened. And the second school, I was actually a teacher trainer there um, for four years, and one of the teachers took me aside and said, you know, your, old, your youngest son is not doing very well. Um, essentially because the class sizes have gone up from 10 to 30. And he went from pretty much being an A student to about a C minus D student. Mm -hmm. So it was about that time as well as I was making a job change that I thought it would be better to try homeschooling. We got into it. That was back in about 2014, I guess it was. Okay. And then how old were your children when you pulled them out and started? Um, Let's see. uh, Fifth. Third and fifth grade. Third and fifth grade. Great. Yeah. And I think that especially right now, due to everything happening around the world, 
more people are kind of finding themselves thrown into homeschool, right. you know, just unexpectedly with not really much of a plan or maybe a background. And, um, exactly. you know, so it's like, it's so needed to have these resources of where to go and what to do. And so right. it sounds like you kind of have, you don't really necessarily follow a certain curriculum or a certain philosophy. And so I'd really like for you to explain a bit of, yeah, kind of how your homeschool journey, like did that, that transition of being a, an educator, you know, did you kind of go in with a plan? And then, you know, I think a lot of homeschool parents, we always, we think we have this plan and then we say, oh, wow, this isn't working. <laughs> and then we change it, you know, and those first yeah. couple of years, sometimes people can get it down in six months or a year. But really, I think those first two to three years of homeschooling, it's really getting our minds out of the education system of doing school at home and more embracing homeschool right. as a lifestyle choice and recognizing right. that the world is our classroom, right? So we can learn all over. So yeah, explain to us a little bit about, you know, kind of what you do curriculum wise and philosophy wise. And I want to hear the details about your treehouse as well. If you always okay. live there or yeah, kind of <laughs> tell us a bit. Excellent. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the treehouse. Um, about two years ago, we decided to move from Bangkok, Thailand uh, to Chiang Mai, which is about 500 miles north. Um, it's an area, it's a much nicer place. And it's my wife's family's from this area. And we were looking at houses and we found one that had uh, a tree house, essentially. What it really is, is a room. It's about the size of a bedroom mm -hmm. with four um, sliding glass doors as the uh, walls and a balcony around it. So it's big enough for a classroom. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. Uh, separate from the rest of the house, it's 10 feet up in the air. <laughs> There's some up, um, tree trunks supporting it. Um, so that'll be perfect for an office slash homeschool room. So that's what we use that for. Oh, so and fun. that's where I am right now, in fact. Right. Oh, great. And do you have um, like an Instagram or do you feature any videos of that on your YouTube channel if people want to check it out? I haven't done that yet. That's in, that's in the works. Oh, um, good. Yeah. Even just a photo. I, I I do have a photo I can put up, but I the problem is seeing it from inside. The lighting isn't that great. I understand. Um, so I got to yeah. figure out how to how to do that. But that's definitely I'm planning to do that. Um, great. Okay, about uh, educational philosophy. Um, yeah, because I work for a textbook writer, uh, sorry, textbook publisher, and been in teacher training, I definitely had some strong opinions about <laughs> education and the and the right, right way to go. Yeah. Um, Essentially, the way I look at it is that um, today, I'm sorry, the, the children entering kindergarten today are going to graduate from college in, you know, maybe 20 years from, uh, sorry, maybe 14, 15 years from now. And at that point, um, they're, the jobs that are available don't even exist today. They're going to be mm -hmm. based upon technology that doesn't even exist today. Right. Uh, not all jobs, of course, but many of the jobs so it's really impossible to prepare students for specific types of jobs. And many of the things that we teach them are really out of date. Um, so um, educationalists back in the late, late 90s were looking into this and they came up with a solution concentrating on thinking skills mainly and attitudes that uh, students need to be successful when they graduate from college. So the key things are critical thinking, 
creative thinking, the ability to communicate, the ability to be in a situation and sort of sort of have street smarts and figure out the culture that you're dealing with and being able to uh, sort of make things work and leadership. So sometimes they're called the four C's. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel that education systems play, pay a lot of lip service to this, especially the textbooks, but they don't do a very good job at all of actually teaching these things. Mm-hmm. Um, And in the U.S., and other countries are guilty of this as well, the education systems are so focused towards testing, standardized tests, that teachers would love to do things like uh, place more emphasis on critical thinking and creative thinking, but they just don't have the time to do it because they got to get these kids to get decent test scores. And these are certainly not tested at all. I would say that critical thinking and creative thinking were probably, you probably spent more time developing those back in the 80s and uh, yeah, in the 80s than you do today in schools. Mm-hmm. Although textbooks will tell you differently. Um, they'll put in something and call it creative thinking, but they, it actually won't go through the steps of um, developing the cre- uh, creative thinking skills, and it won't provide the kids with the practice, and that the kids are not tested on that, and what's not tested is sim- simply not learned. Yeah. So I develop an education, uh, a homeschool system that really emphasizes those things. Yeah, and what um, are some of the ways that you're, um, you're kind of having that in your homeschool? Yeah. Right, okay. Um, just for example, um, Let's say we're reading a book like uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. For creativity, I might ask the my, uh, my kids, can you come up with a, a different ending? Or mm. um, if they were not bears, let's say they were lizards, how would the story be different? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, for critical thinking, we can say, well, could you draw a picture of some sort of burglar alarm system that could prevent strangers from coming into a house? Yeah. Okay. Uh, for communication, could you create a PowerPoint uh, presentation of the story, or could you uh, maybe summarize the story in just two or three slides? Okay. Great. Um, for leadership, could you think of the importance of a uh, of a moral compass? You know, discussing that Goldilocks probably shouldn't have went into someone else's house, and what effect, uh, what ramifications does a moral compass have when you deal with people or lead people? So we can pick things like literature or think any topic really, and look at it from different perspectives about how we can develop critical uh, critical thinking, creative thinking, communication, leadership, and contextualization. Wonderful. Um, so I love that. I just choose topics or I try to let the let find out what my kids are interested in and develop a topics, uh, I'm sorry, activities from uh, based on the topics that they're interested in. Oh good. So um, you're kind of doing a, a student-led learning where your homeschool is led yes. right now. Okay. Yeah, uh, Great. Um I'm a big believer in that, but I gotta mm-hmm. be very honest, that's not always the most practical thing because mm-hmm. Quite often, you will not cover what you want to cover or need to cover in terms of uh, content. You know, you're not yeah. going to be able to check off all the boxes. Oh, I'm able to cover all these science topics or right. um, all these uh, language areas. So um, what I 
also like to do is have um, a math system and an English language art system where we go in and we do things like uh, worksheets and sort of follow a traditional um, uh, syllabus mm -hmm. and do that for about one hour a day. Okay. Yeah. Um, so student led with, with kind of like yes. your own, you're keeping it in the rails a little bit. Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So part of the time we'll do the traditional thing and then and in part of the time we do the student led. And I try to get the traditional stuff done in the morning because obviously that's the part that's not as fun. Mm -hmm. And then depending upon how much time we have, how much work I have to do, mm -hmm. uh, then we'll do more student led things in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And yeah. traditional things, sometimes I outsource that too. Um, yeah. I have a good network of tutors. Um, when I get really busy, who can jump in and um, help out the boys in math and uh, reading as well. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. And so um, I'm curious, have you ha have your children always been in Thailand or have you kind of traveled around a little bit okay. as well? No, they they were born here. Mm -hmm. um, I came here back in 1991. Mm -hmm. So I've been here for 30 years, about 30 years now. Right? Yeah. And have they traveled back to the States or no, they've just only been in Thailand? Oh, uh, they've made a couple trips back okay. to the States. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of, you know, I do, I see that as, you know, when we're raising our children and especially as homeschoolers, really choosing a lifestyle, you know, it's such a different right. lifestyle. I'm sure you could probably <laughs> write an entire book on the differences between, you know, Thailand and the States where you grew up, you know, they're just probably right. so different. And, um, for example, I was raised on the mainland, but I live on the big island and we're off grid and we're kind of doing the small okay. homestead thing and right. two boys as well. And, you know, it's like allowing them that space to just really be in nature so much mm -hmm. comparative to, right. to how I was raised or, you know, other people and just what an impact that has on children as they're growing up, you know, the lifestyle choices that we make. And that, you know, you yeah. only get such a, it's really such a short period of time, those educational years to pour into your children and lifestyle is huge. You know, where you live, the culture right. you participate in, the belief system that you follow. And so I really mm -hmm. like kind of how you've developed this different philosophy of what works for you and your family right now. And how, um, how long would you say, like, if you were to offer some tips for people coming out of that traditional education system kind of, you know, midway or early, you know, kind of mid elementary of how long did you say it kind of took you guys to get into a rhythm of making that adjustment? Honestly, I think I did it quite a bit faster than most people because mm -hmm. I had the educational background. I really mm -hmm. had a clear idea in terms of content, what I wanted to do. Right. But in spite of that, it did take longer than I expected. It did take mm -hmm. about a year. Yeah. And I think most people, it honestly takes about, like you were saying yeah, earlier, two, or three, two to three right. years. Yeah, for sure. And how did and your I children adjust? Did they love it right away or was there kind of a, a missing of the school system? No, they, they liked it right away. Yeah. Um, you have to understand that in Thailand, well, we were, my kids were waking up at 5.30 a.m. The school wow. bus was arriving at 6 a.m. Just because it's a, an, an hour to 90 minute ride to the wow. school. And yeah. then they don't get off until three o'clock. The school bus doesn't leave there until four. They don't get home to five or six, wow. you know. 
Um, fortunately, they were disciplined enough to do their homework at school before arriving at mm-hmm. home. So they were quite happy to <laughs> do a much more relaxed thing. Yeah. Um, but have a lot more time to play with their friends and, and do other things, explore other things. I know that's one thing I've really enjoyed witnessing with my own children and being a homeschool family is like you said, that creative and critical thinking. And naturally when children have their own time to kind of develop their own hobbies and, you know, it's like you just see them flourish and thrive in all these ways. You know, I wasn't always a homeschooler myself, but I pulled my oldest son out of kindergarten halfway through. It just wasn't working for us. And, um, you know, it was one of these days he just said, mom, I'm so tired. When do I get to play? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, here's this five-year-old boy who just wants to play. Yeah, <laughs> right. And he's only five. And the way that the education system is set up, it's just mm-hmm. set up to, you know, kind of instill those, you know, you work all day sort of mentality. And, um, sure. you know, really, it's like sometimes play is the work of children, right? It's like the way their brains are developing right. and how they're discovering the world around them and putting pieces together. It's like they need right. that time. Yeah. And I find it really interesting because I've talked to a couple other families who, you know, because of COVID, they had to, you know, the kids were all home. And how many families now are, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the fall, but that already it's like right. their children were thriving, being able to be home and were begging, don't send us back to school. We want to be <laughs> educated at home. So, and how do you find, because now you're, your oldest, is he high school yet then? Is no, he's eighth grade. Okay. So um, how do you find that kind of having an older one and kind of doing what you've been doing the last couple of years, do you find him really executing some of these creative thinking and critical thinking and excellent communication with you? Or is that kind of still, you know, as that age, you know, starts to transition, how has that been? Yeah, I, I see that the skills are developing but one um, one thing I've noticed uh, working in the education system here that young children, especially kindergarten, already have those skills fairly developed, say on par with what you find in other mm-hmm. countries. But as they go through the education system, they're beaten out of the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. They the older they get, the less creative they are, the less willing they are to take risk or use their mm-hmm. imagination. Um, they, they want the teacher to spoon feed them. They don't really want to think. So um, I did, So instead of seeing him getting a lot better, it's pretty much that he uh, you know, has improved, but the other kids his age are getting worse at it. Mm, okay. Yeah. And then you have a little one that you get to kind of start right from the beginning. Yeah. With this. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Wonderful. And so then what would you consider kind of the spine? You said you outsource some things and kind of traditional things. Do you do a lot of mm-hmm. literature, like pick books in your, you know, that, oh, I know I want to cover these books or these topics. How do you kind of design your year of like, I know I want to cover these things? Right. What I do is I don't actually make a one-year plan uh, like a lot of uh, folks do. And there's nothing wrong with making yeah. a one-year plan. What I do instead is I just think about two or three topics ahead of time. Okay, you know, now we're going to do something on astronomy. And when we finish this, we're going to maybe um, look at Thai history. And what we do for each topic is, 
topic is explore it for about one or two weeks, possibly longer if they're really interested in it. And I simply make a checklist of the different skills and sub-skills that we've covered. Mm. And so I essentially develop this checklist that I can see what we have covered. And as we get towards the end of the school year, I look at it and see, is there any important skills that we really haven't covered yet? And then we'll fit those in maybe the last quarter of the, uh, of the year. Okay. Right. So that's sort of, sort of the plan, uh, sort of the syllabus, you might say. We do it that way. It's called a developmental syllabus. It develops um, according to the students' needs and according to of their interest. Yeah. And then would you say that you still, you guys kind of do a summer break? You're not schooling all year round? No, we do, we do school all year round do. Um, because okay. I work full time mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a freelancer. So, you know, some months like this, there's not much to do. Other months okay. like next month, I'll probably be working six days a week. Um, we really do need to do it uh, full all year round. And the amount of time we spend uh, per week varies quite a bit as well. When I get really busy, then a lot more of it needs to be outsourced. Um, But I always try to have one hour with the two boys together each day, uh, preferably two hours. Um, And then now they're at the point where they can study on their own for about one hour and Mm -hmm. they might some um, work with a tutor for an hour or so a day. Yeah. And that's one thing I notice. you know, with, you know, people, they always kind of look at you when you're a homeschooler and they, you know, have their own preconceived notions. And really, that's just something that develops over time, you know, where you just find yourself, it's like, you know, you could say, oh, you know, I'm only doing school this time, this time, but you just end up, it's like, it just becomes that lifestyle where it's like, Oh, you know, and you get more relaxed as time goes on, (laughs) you know, because I find that it's like, yeah, a lot of people who do choose to homeschool now, they were coming out of the education system, whether they were like you and teachers or whether they were publicly educated themselves. And so I find that I think sometimes I learn even more than my children do. And, you know, through our homeschooling Mm. journey um, of just being able to be a lot more relaxed. And I've noticed that people who were homeschooled themselves and they're kind of second generation homeschoolers, there's just like almost like no care or worry of, oh yeah, that'll get done when it gets done. You know, like we're just living life, doing it. It's all good. Instead Uh of, you know, it's the the ones of us who've come out of the education system where we have our our years planned or, you know, our checklists. And so what would be an example of some of, just give us like a hand, would that be your skills that you consider? Like, oh, we're doing critical thinking skills or creative skills, or what would be a couple of the skills that when you're planning your spine of things that you're wanting to check off? What would be an example of those? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So for each of uh, each of those uh, major skills, creative thinking, critical mm-hmm. thinking, et cetera, I'll have a list of sub-skills mm-hmm. which change as they get older. And so that's those are really the things that I'm checking off as we go through it. And I look at the topic. I look at a, the book we're going to read or the YouTube video we're going to watch or whatever. And then I just asked myself as a material writer, oh, what type of sub-skill can I uh, integrate with this? Mm. And sometimes when they're working on it, an idea will pop into my head. So it's all sort of um, created on the spot, as it were. But I I do realize for most parents, uh, that's going to be a very difficult thing to do. They need something planned out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's so, essentially the way I do it. Yeah. And so is that kind of what has inspired you to, to start up your YouTube channel is to be able to help um, other homeschool parents to navigate oh, through that? Right. Um, uh, yeah. Originally, it was partially that. Um, I do teacher training workshops for teachers uh, mm-hmm. throughout Southeast Asia and China. Mm-hmm. And I was in Indonesia doing one about two years ago. And some expats came to me and they said they homeschool their kids. And the teacher workshop I had was doing had nothing to do with homeschooling. I probably just let it slip that I was homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, can you come to Bali? We have a annual event where we homeschooling parents get together in Bali. And, you know, we invite someone to show us how to do homeschooling and talk about this, that, and the other. So I did. And then they kept inviting me back. And then <laughs> I found other groups of homeschooling parents in this region asking me to do that. And then I thought, um, I have a fair amount of free time on my hand, uh, hands uh, the last couple of months, so why don't I develop a YouTube channel and a, a blog about it and keep on doing that and uh, at some point develop resources and a course to help parents uh, navigate their way through starting a homeschool. Um, okay. I'm not sure if parents are really interested in the type of resources I make, it might be a little bit challenging for them to teach those. Um, so that that's something I just sort of got to feel out. But I do think um, things like how to plan a homeschool, mm-hmm. um, how to plan a curriculum, how to make it fit your lifestyle, those type of things I can be quite useful uh, yeah, for them. Definitely. And especially just as time continues, you know, where really it's like the world is at everyone's fingertips now, you know, internet wise. And then also with travel. So you find people like yourself who they find themselves raising their children in another country, you know, um, Mm -hmm. or somewhere far away from where they were raised. And there isn't always the education, you know, that people want. And even in, you know, you think in Europe or mainland America, more and more people are going towards home education because it's just not kind of hitting these points that like you said, in their lifestyle of the choices they want. And so it's only growing. And especially now we have no idea what the future holds with, you know, if kids are going to be allowed to go back where they um, was the education system kind of stopped and halted in Thailand as well or no. Yes. um, Very similar to the states. Okay. Yeah. um, But it was better timing actually, because I think it was uh, March, they closed down the schools, and that's when the traditional summer starts. Okay. Um, So, yeah, so they actually, some schools have already reopened, but they're um, only allowing a certain number of kids to go each day. So that means the kids alternate, you know, some will only go on Monday, Tuesday, some only go on Tuesday, Thursdays, and they're trying to, well, they they have an online and TV education program. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get the children to do. Um, So yeah, they're, 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 they're dealing with it the same way we are in the U S actually. Yeah. What is the the countryside where you're at? Are you kind of in like a, would you say country area, like smaller village or just kind of give us a picture for those of us who live more in America (laughs) and in the States of kind of that daily, yeah, daily life that you live over there. Right. Okay. We're in Chiang Mai. That's um, Northern Thailand. It's Mm -hmm. fairly mountainous uh, around this area, but where the city of Chiang Mai is, it's rather flat. And we are um, about 15 uh, miles from the city center or 15 miles from the city. Um, 
And there's just a lot of small, what they call villages. They're not villages that you think about when you think of a Southeast Asian village with mm-hmm. <laughs> um, huts and all that. They're, right. more, they're more, you might say, groups of houses, maybe 30, 40 houses surrounded by rice fields. Um, and then you just, there's a couple roads that will take you into town. And my wife gets on her motorcycle, rides down the roads and buys things. People um, in this country, it's, it's always been very common for people to cook a lot of extra food and sell it in the morning. Mm. Uh, and so people buy, go and buy food for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, um, and you can buy whatever you want without having to go into the, big, uh, into the town. Wow, great. So then would they have kind of like traditional grocery stores or is it more market-based where you're at? Uh, they have both. Okay. Um, if you go in town, they have the big hypermarts and all mm-hmm. that. And out here you have little mom and pop stores mm-hmm. um, selling things. Uh, and uh, honestly, the lifestyle out here hasn't changed too much because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, the only change is you see a lot of, um, there's a lot more parents staying at home. <laughs> but other than <laughs> right. that, um, th- things haven't changed too much. But once you go into the city, you can see it's just dead. Or mm. former, you know, previously there would be a, maybe a 100,000, 200,000 tourists at mm-hmm. any time. Wow. And now they're all gone. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's how it is here too. I mean, Hawaii is pretty much operates off of tourism. And so, you know, they finally have opened the beaches again. And yeah, it's been nice, you know, as a local living here to be able to go and the beaches aren't, (laughs) you know, it, it's like, depending on what beach, you know, we're, we're on the big island. So the beaches are not huge as they are in like Maui or Oahu. We only have really Mm -hmm. kind of one big expansive beach over on the other side of the island. But so, you know, our smaller beaches still have a good amount of people, but you don't see the tour buses and all the tourists coming. And, um, yeah. And then I just want to touch on one more thing as kind of a a fellow minimalist myself. That's one of the biggest challenges I, I face as a homeschool mom, because I Mm. like to keep a minimalist house, but I also have this insane love of books and literature (laughs) and, and, um, and I don't always, you know, I know some people love their Kindles and they love reading digitally, but there's just something about a book and being snuggled up on the couch and reading a story. And so I've kind of developed my own way of, you know, it's like kind of that balance of how many books are we allowed to have and doing things with the the library where then they can get sent Mm -hmm. back. But how do you find as kind of minimalist there that you deal with? Yeah, kind of, it sounds like you're doing things a lot of tech side. It's like, and then with the books and things, it sounds like you keep it pretty minimal. How would you, what tips would you offer to people who want to t- keep it minimal and um, okay. have a hard time doing yeah. that. Um, what I do is I actually, I cheat when it comes to books because I count mm-hmm. books as one thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I have a couple tubs of books that I got uh, when I was in working for a publisher, all sorts of story books and chapter books and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. Um, and I do realize, especially with the younger ch- kids, like my two-year-old, even till the boys were about 10, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they really like to have a physical book they can hold. Now they're above 10. They're quite happy to uh, look at a book on a computer or on a, um, laptop, uh, a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I pretty much cheat when it comes to books. But everything okay, yeah. else, uh, we try to keep it pretty minimal. Yeah, that's, that's about where I'm at too. 
because <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do. I love my books and especially, yeah, my boys are still kind of younger. So, you know, I find especially, you know, if you have toddlers in the house to expose them to sure. books and they'll just naturally start flipping through them, you know, on their mm-hmm. own. So wonderful. Well, as we wrap it up here, I would love to just have you add in kind of on an ending note, if you could offer just one or two tidbits of homeschool advice that you wish someone had offered to you when you first started, what would that tidbit be? Uh, Two things, really, and you you see this a lot when you read the blogs. Number one is really just relax, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because as you said, life will take care of itself, and eventually your children will be able to tick all the boxes and learn everything that they need to learn. Um, and just t- look for opportuni- learning opportunities as they arise and exploit those um, and worry less about, oh, I need to cover this, that, and the other today. So that, that's one big tip I'll give. Um, second tip, as you mentioned, things will never go as planned. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it does take a while to uh, get into it. Um, as When I first started, I had very a clear idea about how I wanted to do it, you know, certain times of the day, certain, do a certain approach, use certain types of materials. And I was, you know, going into being a freelancer really without much work. And within one week, three book contracts came my way. <laughs> wow. I couldn't say, I couldn't say no to those yeah. because that was about two years of work. Um, so I actually, uh, hi- these were not only ESL books, which I normally do, but they're also math and science books. Mm-hmm. So I hired a team of people in the Philippines, educators in the Philippines to help me write these books. Mm-hmm. And as part of their job, they were to help me homeschool the kids online. And I was very <laughs> reluctant to allow, allow them to do it because I had a certain way I wanted them right. to do it. And I found out after a month or two that I think, especially in math, they were doing much better than they would have if I was teaching them. And even science, they were going into things in a lot more detail um, and covering more. I think I wasn't pushing them as hard as right. I probably should have been. And um, they were responding to it quite well. And then it, that sort of made me relax a lot and realize that this this is a journey. It's not mm-hmm. going to go according to the map that I set out with it. We're going to discover what works and doesn't work. And so you need to be flexible as you approach this. It really is a journey. It really, really is a journey. And that's what I love about homeschool is that each family has their own unique journey, you know, and that they're just led according to it. And yeah, it's like we go in with our own preconceived notions and then you throw in where, you know, what works for one child doesn't work for the next child, you know, and then it's like, so it's, it becomes just this constant dialogue and yeah, a total and complete journey. So wonderful. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate having you here today. And um, I will include links in the show notes to YouTube channel and your blog. So people can get in touch with you if they have any further questions. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode with Chris. I know the biggest takeaway for me was really making it a point to acknowledge all the different skills that we are pouring forth into our children and developing every day in our homeschool. So as a quick wrap up to think about that, how can I incorporate critical thinking, creative thinking, leadership skills, and problem solving in my homeschool? 
And I'd like to also give a shout out to schoolhouseteachers.com. If you haven't heard about Schoolhouse Teachers, they are an excellent resource, in my opinion, that all homeschool families should have. With the internet and the age of information at our fingertips, Schoolhouse Teachers is an excellent resource that offers courses, curriculum, record-keeping, community, everything for the Christian homeschool family. Link will be included below, so be sure to check them out. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. Until next time, where we dive into all things homeschool, happy homeschooling.